And welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shop C70. It's about at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Nichols from Red Dirt, from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman. I know these things. I just don't say them right. Um, but that's uh, it's kind of like the Cardinals, right? They know how to play baseball. They just don't play it right at times. And we saw them lose the game today uh, to the Royals in the 65 after a nice rally. Um you know, they lost it in the ninth after a significant rain delay. Um, but Tara, I mean, it was a game against the Royals and they got down by, you know, three runs. And it just doesn't, I mean, granted, you're going to lose games. Royals don't lose every single game that they play, but it's still hard to see a team that you think is supposedly, you know, fighting for their lives have a an outing like that. Yeah, and I think even more than the loss after the rain delay, because let's be honest, sending Alex Reyes back out after a rain delay that long doesn't seem like a great recipe for Mm. success to me. But then again, neither do many of the other arms in the bullpen. So to some degree, I understand at least the premise. If Alex Reyes felt like he was okay, wasn't going to injure himself, uh, might as well give it a shot. Didn't work out. But that's sort of par for the course. Um, but I think more more frustrating from a viewing standpoint, from a why is this team in this position standpoint, was the number of missed opportunities. Even mm-hmm. in a game where they did come back and tie it up at five, there were a couple that I remember bases loaded opportunities with less than two outs. And the Cardinals didn't score or they only scored a run or, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, things like that that we've seen time and time again as they continue year after year it seems to struggle to put runs together consistently that will kind of give a little breathing room to the pitching staff whether it's the starters or the bullpen so it was another game of missed opportunities and sure that could probably be said for every loss at some point but there were some very clear opportunities that just you know didn't didn't result in a a big breakout inning on the offensive side of things. And, you know, that puts your very beleaguered bullpen Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a pretty precarious situation when, you know, you miss those big scoring chances against a team like the Royals that is not in a position to feel like they're fighting for a playoff spot this year. So yet again, a frustrating scenario to complete a week of games that were frustrating because they should have been, the easy part of the Cardinals schedule. And, you know, we keep saying it, this is evidently just who they are. They are a 500 team where you go to into a game and can either expect a a pretty uninteresting win or a very irritating loss. Those seem to be the only options right now. Yeah. I mean, it really is to the point where if they won 85 games this year, I think we'd be pretty surprised. Um, and you shouldn't be saying that, you know, uh, first week of August. Um, but that's true. I mean, they'd need 30 wins between now and the end of the year. And it's definitely doable. But, you know, one, 85 wins isn't going to get you into the playoffs. And two, no. that doesn't feel like what this team is. This team feels like they're going to go into that final series against the Cubs, right? The Cubs are the last series. Probably with a one one game over 500 um and having to try to win that series to make sure that they don't fall you know 500 or, or worse um it doesn't seem no we say that the cardinals have 
10 games of the Pirates between now and the end of the month. That helps. But they, you know, the last time they played the Pirates, they lost three out of four. You never know. Um, yeah. I mean, those are the games that we think they should right. <laughs> handle. And then this season, like the last couple, uh, it's harder than it apparently looks. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and getting consistent offense is the issue with this team to some degree. I mean, obviously the pitching staff has its problems and we saw a horrific meltdown against the Braves with Alex Reyes unable to find the strike zone in a situation that is, you know, sadly extreme, but not unheard of. But it still feels like if this team can consistently put up runs or like you said, get those hits in the right spots, they'd have a lot better chance of, you know, managing that bullpen, figuring out how they're going to win ballgames. Right. You know, this week, Yadier Molina, Matt Carpenter, and then today, Tommy Edmond batted fifth for this team. Now, I don't know if Mike Schilt is kind of going with some sort of new sabermetric thing that says that the fifth place hitter is actually where you should put your weaker hitters. I don't know. There may be some sort of lineup construction to this. But in my point of view, as, as an old school player, you know, a fifth spot is a guy that's supposed to be able to hit. And that hasn't happened. And, you know, today, Tommy Edmund, 0 for 4, leaves five men on base. You know, if there was another bat that they could put there, that might have been a different story. But that bat doesn't exist either. Yeah. And not to pile on Tommy Edmund, but I think some of this is the result of the preseason notion that, Tommy Edmonds going to be great. I don't know why mm-hmm. anyone has concerns about his streakiness or the fact that maybe he's not going to uh, hold up to this typical Cardinals unrealistic expectation of him as a leadoff guy in the absence of someone like Colton Wong. Now, look, I know Colton's been hurt a number of times this season as well, and there's the, the very real scenario that he doesn't have a career season in St. Louis or whatever the case may be, but... Mm-hmm that there was this feeling that, well, they don't need Colton Wong. They have Tommy Edmond. He's going to be an all-star. And I think there was, I know for me, there was some hesitation just because we've seen this play out with a number of guys, whether it's Harrison Bader or even Colton Wong earlier in his career, where you kind of, it happened with Stephen Piscotty as well. You crown somebody the, the, the core hope of writing the ship and, Maybe it's, I don't want to say he didn't earn that because what we saw from Tommy Edmond last season um, was great and compelling, but maybe not enough to feel like, okay, it's fine. We don't need a backup plan. Mm. So to not really have a backup plan, except for, oh, let's try Dylan Carlson there. That might be fine. Well, then that takes away from the length of your lineup that you were planning on when you had someone else in the leadoff spot. So then when you have someone like Tommy Edmund that you're struggling to to get going or to get consistent uh, and you just stick him somewhere, <laughs> five, eight, it's <laughs> probably fine. Well, then it kind of sh- shows your hand in that you don't really know what to do with the handful of players in your lineup that are underperforming um, and I'm using Tommy Edmund because he came up but it's really just one of a number of examples that we could each pull up of somebody mm-hmm. that you're like 
this doesn't this doesn't seem like a good role for him but there also doesn't seem to be a backup option for that player or for that spot or for that role and as much as we've said in the past the cardinals were a team that had these limitless redundancies in the kind of player that they stockpile this season (laughs) they kind of cleared out a lot of that redundancy but didn't really end up with better options so Mm -hmm. it it still seems very confusing and and very um i don't want to say that there wasn't a solid plan but we've talked about this before that the plan is great but you need to have other options should things go poorly because it's baseball and that's what happens and you know to see a week where you have matt carpenter yadier molina tommy edmund all batting fifth in different games and every time all of us looking at it and going "Mm, that doesn't seem good well then you know that none of those players are living up to the expectation of their season but there's no clear path for what to do about it no and you know the the fact is the only redundancies they still seem to have are in the outfield because the hottest hitters in the minor leagues are people like Juan Yepes and Alec Burleson and and even if you're going to bring those guys up they play outfield well the, the three outfielders are doing basically what you want them to do yeah and that's kind of some of the problem with this team, right? I mean, it's you you don't see them replacing any outfielders. You've got corner infielders that are, you know, going to be here for quite some time. It's, you know, middle infield and, and catcher and, you know, catcher is its own issue, which we can talk about if we want to. But um, it just, it's hard to see where this team gets better for next year outside of hoping that, some of these guys continue to make some, you know, bigger steps in their career. If Tyler O'Neill has done that this year, you know, Dylan Carlson still is a rookie, so he maybe he does as well. But it's hard to see them, you know, bringing in some sort of big bat and letting, you know, Harrison Bader go. I just, right. you know, that kind of thing doesn't happen. So, you know, how do we avoid? this malaise that's kind of been on this team, even though they've made the playoffs a couple of times, it's kind of been on this team for quite some, you know, for half a decade or more. Um, how do they make sure it doesn't extend to next year? Oh boy. That is the question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I hope that's I, the question Mo's asking himself. Yes. Well, I, I hope it's not only the question that he's asking, but it's also the question that he's willing to answer, even if it's not the answer he wants. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I don't mean necessarily we've said this before i don't think it necessarily means a full-on fire sale like we saw from the cubs right i think there's i think what we're we're seeing i know last week uh, i kept using the word stale i think what we're seeing feels very familiar and not in a good way whether we're talking about the manager who seems to not only make similar moves to his predecessor but also defend them with the same sort of unwarranted angst as his predecessor. I think that, you know, when you're looking at the way the big names come in and underperform in St. Louis, we've seen that before with Paul Goldschmidt and not that Nolan Arnauto is necessarily underperforming, but he's also not capable of single-handedly turning around the things that aren't working in St. Louis. And 
whether we talk about it from the perspective of, oh, the Cardinals needed a star. We, we talked about that since mm-hmm. the absence of Albert Pujols, really. Right. Well, they got their star and it still hasn't changed. Well, we talk about the, the pitching. Well, they, they had all these injuries. Okay, sure. The bullpen still needed help and they didn't really help the bullpen. Now, if that's because they really were committed to this idea of we need to see what we have in the youth, <laughs> then uh, bail them out with all the old guys, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, then sure, maybe they did that according to plan. But I think part of what feels like the problem is it's the same song, different verse. And that starts with the decisions made on personnel from the guys at the top. It continues all the way down to the guy that's in the bullpen that doesn't really see the field at all or the (laughs) supposed commitment to youth. And then the actual move that brings in, you know, 35 plus year old guys to give you uh, innings eaters from guys that haven't gone deep into games all year. Mm-hmm. So it just like the the philosophy that is spoken of doesn't seem to hold up in light of the reality that the team is putting on the field. And we've seen it over and over and over again. At this point, we were talking before we started recording. I'm not enjoying watching this team this year and it's not because they're losing as many games as they're winning. It's because I've seen it all. Mm. I feel like you know, there are only so many times you can watch the same sitcom replay and not feel like, okay, is there anything else I can watch? <laughs> like, I, I know this one. I've seen this one. This is my favorite one. This is my least favorite one. I don't really need to see it again this time. Um, I, I'm not missing any of the jokes. I'm not missing any of the, the connecting points to the next episode. It's just boring and not fun to watch. So... <laughs> While I'm sure everyone loved that little rant, the answer to your question that I'm trying to get to is, I I hope that's the question that they're asking. I don't know that there's a clear answer in light of how committed they are to this, you know, organizational control as far as who their staff is, what players they bring in who they bring up and all of that's great in theory because you want control of your product, whatever your business is. Um, But if the product is bad, (laughs) continuing to force it to be the same thing that it's always been uh, is not really helping. Um, So how do you fix a roster? How do you fix a lineup that doesn't have the depth or the redundancy that it once had to allow you the flexibility of moving pieces in and out. How do you go about an off season where you think, okay, we already added Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. What more do we need to add from an offensive side of things? But then also realize, okay, Tommy Edmond didn't work out like we thought he would. Yadier Molina is getting older. And what do we do with Andrew Kisner? Matt Carpenter, not the player that he once was, you know, there's Paul DeYoung. What do you do with Paul DeYoung this offseason? Because that's not working out like you hoped it was. So mm-hmm. if you're not willing to move on from some of those decisions and either acknowledge, hey, this didn't work out like we thought. That's just the way things go. 
rather than saying, no, 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 we're going to just hold on a little longer and it's going to be fine, then there's no way to change the roster. You know, it, it, it's like the annoying adage that if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, <laughs> mm-hmm. you can't expect different results. And that feels like where we're at this season, both in terms of play on the field, seeing the same thing over and over again, whether it's a, a bullpen catastrophe like we saw with Alex Reyes and Giovanni Gallegos, or, you know, just the regular opportunities missed in, in the offensive side of the game. We've seen it all before. And they just keep saying, well, it's going to get better by getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I get Mike Shield has to put kind of a happy face on things. But, I mean, it's really hard to hear where they're going to get on a run. By now, it really doesn't matter if they get on a run. Because they're going to be running to nowhere. I mean, the Cardinals <laughs> right now are ten and a half games behind the Brewers. So, I mean, you're already to the point where you have to like sweep the 13 games left of the Brewers just to, you know, stay competitive. There are eight games in the wild card spot, and you don't expect them to actually catch up with uh, the Dodgers or San Diego or anybody like that. So, you know, again, like we said, you could put together a nice run and win 85 games, and all that's going to do is to keep that streak alive that, you know, if not finishing under 500, but it's not going to put you in the playoffs. And it's... It would probably give the front office a little bit of, you know, hey, we just need to get healthy. We won 85 games and we didn't have Jack Flaherty. We don't have to do that much. Um, I don't, I mean, not that anybody would buy that, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't, you know, like it easily, a little bit more easy, easier to say it then when, instead of when you're under 500. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's just, there's just not a lot to this team that's, that's interesting. I mean, you know, we're, even though the Braves are a better team than their record was, and, and I get that they were in this this stretch of under 500 that we were calling the soft schedule, you know, the Cardinals definitely didn't need to be swept by that. They had their opportunities to win right. definitely the last game and in a couple of the other games, too. They had their chance. Um, they, didn't, they didn't convert opportunities. Same to be said for today with the Royals and you know, they kind of got away with a couple of, of missed opportunities yesterday. They wound up winning anyway. Um, it's just so hard to see this team, even with a lot of games against the Pirates and, and other teams that are struggling, it's really hard to see this team rattling off even five wins in a row, isn't it? Because there's always going to be one game in that stretch where the bats don't show up and the pitching struggles and you know, they lose eight to two. Oh yeah. Well you, that means you have to get either five good starts in a row mm-hmm. or some combination of five starts and five bullpen performances in a row. And I don't see that happening. And even if that were to happen, you have to have five games in a row where more than one guy can hit. I mean, it's great. If Tyler O'Neill goes four for four with a home run, that's not always going to win you a game. Mm-hmm. That's not, certainly going to win you five games in a row if you're pinning your hopes on Tyler O'Neill going four for four with a home run or that being Nolan Arenado or whatever the case may be. Um, 
there's no part of the game for the Cardinals that is consistent enough that you feel like they can put together a streak like that, even against bad teams. And I think to go back to your actual question before I just uh, went on a, a little little mini rant there. It wasn't that <laughs> mini. Sorry. Taking all the time on the show. It's fine. Um, but to go back to your question, what do the Cardinals do in the offseason? Look, I mean, we can get very specific. They have to figure out something at shortstop. They have to figure out something at second base that isn't maybe the inconsistency that Tommy Edmund has had this year. Maybe he just needs more time. Maybe that's something that you're willing to grow into. But then you have to fill in around him in a different way. So you have to figure out those two spots in the middle of the infield and where they fit in the lineup and as much as you know maybe we don't want to talk about it because it's a whole other can of worms uh, Yadier Molina is a legend but he can't necessarily be the one who decides how everything works in that organization unless you just make him a player manager and get on with it yeah. and if that's what you're going to do then fine <laughs> but Yadi's probably going to hit third if you do that because <laughs> that's right. he's always going to think that he's the one that needs to be right in the middle of the action and if we're looking at April Yadier Molina, then yeah, everyone is going to agree with that and think this is the guy that's going to play forever. If you're looking at Yadier Molina in the last eight weeks, probably not so much. And, you know, that's not even to get into the idea of Yadier wants to resign. Yadier wants to play for two more years, whatever. We all, we all knew that was going to happen. Let's not mm -hmm. act surprised <laughs> that Yadier wants to keep playing baseball. Um, but there has to be very real conversations about what that role looks like, because then whoever's playing behind him is just sort of wasting away and not really an asset to the team or, you know, living up to the potential of their own career, whomever that person might be. Um, but these are the very real and very hard conversations and decisions that are going to have to happen. You know, I think that the Matt Carpenter situation that off the bench not helpful. <laughs> Even Ooh. though he's hit a little bit better as of late, that doesn't do you any good. Um, and you have to be able to fill in off the bench better than the Cardinals have in the last couple of seasons. Um, and and those are the, the very uh, kind of X's and O pieces. And that doesn't even get to, <laughs> to the pitching side of things, which is, uh, I don't, I don't know if I have the, the strength <laughs> to try to break that down um, in a limited amount of time. But those are the those are the pieces of the puzzle that have to change if the results are going to change and if if those aren't going to change this year right mm -hmm. you look at next year and think okay well what do you do with the pieces that you have and i don't think there is an answer that keeps all those pieces whether it's you know putting together a run of five games in a row that is the goal or taking advantage of a pretty weak NL Central in the near future. Um, this doesn't feel like a team, like you said, that can put together that run because of those particular holes. And that's really just on the you know offensive and defensive side of things. Um, when you have that many question marks looking at next year about, well, what do we do with this guy? And what do we do with this guy? And what do we do in this position? And how do we do that? It's not really a surprise that you aren't able to put together a run 
in the current season when you're already thinking about, oh man, how do we how do we make up for the lack of production in this area? Because it hasn't really worked to just let them figure it out this year. And, you know, as much as Mike Schilt, like you said, is is always gonna spin things in a positive direction, I don't think that's really helpful. I don't think it's particularly healthy for the team as a whole to feel like, well, we just have to try really hard. Because <laughs> if if they're trying really hard and trying really hard was enough, they wouldn't be in this position. And I will say, I imagine what Mike Schultz says to the public is a lot different than what he says to the players. Not that he is flipping tables over and browbeating them or anything like that. But I would like to think, I would hope to think that it's a little bit more focused and a little bit more look, we need, we need this, we need that, we need you to do this, whatever. Now, maybe it's not, I don't know. And you do wonder, you know, even with this team, if if Nolan Arnauto and Paul Goldschmidt could hit in the same month, right. you know, what would this team look like? Um, I still think you're probably right. I think it still has those flaws, though, that, you know, even those two guys, as great as they can be, um, you know, they got to have people on. They got to have a pitching staff that keeps the, them in the game. Um, and they're not going to get hit every time up, even if they're going well. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, obviously this team is good enough that, like you said, a a tear down like the Cubs did is not, I mean, one, it's not really necessary, but two would never happen in St. Louis. That's just not going to happen, especially not in their ownership. But it may be that this team is just, good enough to you know fool the front office into saying we were you know we got hit by injuries we'll be better next year i don't i don't know that that's true i mean mean, they've been telling us they're going to be better next year for the last five years right (laughs) right and i mean they won 90 what 93 games 94 games in or maybe not maybe it's 91 games in 19 yeah um and made the playoffs and you know of course, granted, if it wasn't for that you know ten run inning against the Braves, they might have gone out early there, and then you're looking at what 2013, uh-huh. the last time that they actually you know got deep into the into the playoffs, maybe 2014. Um, and that's you know, and it's it, it's weird to say for some of us, but, you know, 2014 has been a long time ago now. <laughs> I mean, that's seven years. That's a that's a long time in baseball time. I well, mean, and, it, and it's also a long time when the the implication from the front office is, no, 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 don't misunderstand. We're a postseason team every year. Mm-hmm. But then the actions and the results don't really back that up. So it's an exceptionally long time to feel like, am I just missing something? Or are we watching a totally different team? Yeah. <laughs> And, and to be fair, 2015, you know, they won 100 games. They should have done better, but they ran into the Cubs at the beginning of that Cubs mini dynasty that was really just like a year. Yeah. Um, no offense to Steve. Um, <laughs> he knows it. <laughs> yeah, he should. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's been... It, we're spoiled with, with how consistent and how good this team has been since from 2000 to... 2015 you know and a lot of that is you know albert pujols and being able to put people around him but i don't know like i said i I, you know i wrote about it last week we talked about it last week you know getting some fresh blood into some significant managerial or 
front office spots would seem to be their best op- best option. Just at least, if nothing else, to get a different point of view, a different say, hey, let's do it this way. Um, because it feels like right now, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I have trouble seeing the Cardinals doing, even though they have a lot of money coming off the books this winter, you know, some of it's going to go to arbitration and some of it's probably going to go to a extension that they shouldn't sign um, because that's just what they do. Um, and then all of a sudden it's going to be, well, we can't, you know, we're getting outbid for this guy and this guy, and we're just going to have to make do with what we have. And, you know, here we go again. Yeah. And I mean, they're also going to have to actually pay Nolan Arenado next year. Right. So. Right. Always <laughs> that's, that's going to be new. Um, no, but you're right. It's, it feels like the setup for the same thing that we've seen, which is why there's a part of me that feels maybe like a bad fan for saying this, but I almost hope they don't get to 85 wins. I almost mm-hmm. hope that they do this the rest of the season and the front office can't pass it off as, oh man, well, we just needed those injured guys to get back. Once we have Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis back, then we'll be fine. Once we get Jordan Hicks back, then we'll be fine. I I almost feel, and we've said this about those postseason runs too, where it's like, yeah, this kind of just rewards bad decision making <laughs> <laughs> because they yeah ended up there but not really because they should have and sometimes that happens we see that all the time in in sports and in life but it almost feels like to be enough of a problem for this front office to make some of those big decisions not even personnel related necessarily but just like directionally to Mm -hmm. pick something new and chase that um they have to finish so badly that they can't spin it. <laughs> you know, if you finish under 500, you can't spin that as injuries or as bad luck or what you can try, yeah. but no one's going to buy it. Not even casual fans who are just going to kind of take whatever they say at face value. Um, so I don't know if that would be the kind of scenario that would change the script. Because right now, if they end up going on a run, if they put, you know, even if it's three at a time and then lose one and then win three instead of Mm -hmm. uh, fluctuating more dramatically, um, even if they go on that kind of run, they can still do what you said and say, well, we just, you know, if we had gotten healthy a little earlier, oh, when when we're healthy next year, oh, this was, you know, a great chance for some of the young guys to learn and, and they'll be better next year. You can do that if you just miss. But if you fail spectacularly, <laughs> um, it's a little harder to spin that. And, and maybe that's the kind of <sighs> crash and burn that will make some directional changes. Maybe. I, you know, I, no, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I just, I still think when you say, I mean, when you can go out there and say we had a whole entire rotation on the disabled list or the injured list, um, I think that's good. I mean, without being in Pittsburgh, you know, Minnesota type of territory, I mean, even if you're around that 500, I think you could still use it. I mean, I think they, I mean, again, you're right it's it's simplistic and it's not exactly the truth um but i think it's i mean i think you just start saying hey you know 
we'll have Jack Flaherty for 162 next year. And, you know, Miles Michaelis should be ready to go. And, you know, we'll have Dakota Hudson back and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, maybe they sign a starting pitcher. Maybe they don't, you know, they already have six or seven and who knows, but you know, I, it's, and we've talked about it. It would take creativity. It would take the idea of we already have six starting pitchers, but Max Scherzer's on the free agent market and we're going to get him, you know, not yeah. necessarily Scherzer, but somebody like that, you know, that we're going to get a guy that is a number one, a number two, and figure it out. Alan talks about this quite a bit on our show, uh, usual, the idea of making a move with a free agent or trade and figuring out what you're going to do with it later, you know, yeah. but just getting talent into this organization. And I think that's where it gets down to. It's like, okay, well, we've got three outfielders. Where would we play player X? Well, get player X in here and then let's figure it out, you know, because if nothing else, you've got a better bench than what you've got now, which is, right a couple of wet paper towels. Um, it feels like at times, I mean, although the Cardinals just what had three, three, uh, pinch hits, this, this, uh, three, or three pinch hit RBIs. I think it's the first time they'd done it in a long time. I think that yeah. must've been three pinch hit RBIs, uh, on Saturday. But overall the bench is, it's very, very weak. Um, and, but it's, it does, it takes a different mindset and a different creative, a different bit of creativity that we have not seen out of this organization. Well, you know, I saw this on Twitter. It was like today in 2004, they got Larry Walker. That may be the last one. I know you and Alex talked about it on Terps this week. That may be the last time that they went for a, you know, we'll bring in talent. We'll figure it out type of move. And that's been, you know, we're knocking on close to 20 years now. Yeah. And I think, you know, we see other teams do that. We saw the Brewers do it pretty regularly. We've seen the Yankees do that. We see the Dodgers do that. I know the Cardinals are not in the position that those two teams are in to collect talent and then just mm -hmm. be like, oh, we'll figure it out. But to some degree, a willingness to do that or at least a willingness to adjust mid-season. You know, we talked back after Tommy Edmonds' comments about the players not adjusting. Mm. The front office isn't adjusting either. They're not, at this point, willing to say, oh, this isn't working, so yeah, we're going to get Dakota Hudson back next year. Yeah, maybe we'll have something from Miles Michaelis, but that's next year. This year we need help, so let's go get it. And I know it's not that simple, but it's... Right also done by a lot of other teams so there has to be a way to make it happen um you know it just it requires a different set of priorities i guess right if your priority is to keep the guys that you like who you know already well then that's a very different set of priorities then yeah but we're trying to win mm -hmm. so <laughs> Um, and sometimes I feel like that's, that becomes more important in the Cardinals world is, yeah, but we like Matt Carpenter. Yeah. So let's sign him to an extension because we like him and he, he likes us and he wants to stay in St. Louis forever. And everybody eats that up, which is great. This is not a pick on Matt Carpenter comment, <laughs> but I think sometimes the priority becomes, no, no, no. We want to keep this family together rather than these guys aren't really they don't really have a purpose here now other than just b 
being a friendly face in the dugout. And I don't know that that's the right mentality for the front office to have at this point. If in fact their goal is to win a championship and maybe it's not, we've talked about that too. Maybe that's not their goal and that's fine. That's a little harder to sell to a fan base. Yeah. I mean, and I, for the most part, I think that they do want to win, but they want to win their way. And I mean, I don't know that I can blame them too much for that. I mean, I think we have been fortunate enough that they do f- look for quality individuals. Sure. I mean, not just on the f- on the field. And yeah, sometimes they may oversell that. They may focus on that and they may reward that a little too much. I mean, there does come a point where you have to look at that and say, you know, we like you, but this isn't working, you know? And I think the Cardinals have done a good job at times of like Dexter Fowler, you know, this, this, this year is like, we're not gonna have a spot for you, Dex. Let's find you a good spot to go to. Right. You know, and that's great. I'm glad you'd rather that than perhaps the alternative of Matt Carpenter being, you know, a guy that has to come off your bench quite regularly. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Um, assuming anybody wants to watch the bell gall games after they've listened to this. Um, <laughs> We've inspired you so much to yeah. watch very boring games. At least this week, we know fairly sure that probably Thursday, Matt, Jack Flaherty does return. Um, there's a decent chance, although I know his outing wasn't great today. Miles Michaelis might be back by the weekend. Um, does that help you get to where you want to watch a little bit more again, <laughs> not with the idea that they're going to make a run or anything, but at yep. least, you know, seeing <laughs> some of the pictures we thought we would see this year. Is that, is that a, at least some sort of a carrot? I do have a bit more of an interest just for the sake of particularly with Jack Flaherty. I'll admit I have, I'm starting with zero expectations of Miles Michaelis just because that feels like the only realistic option, (laughs) right? (laughs) If he's good and he pitches well, cool. That's fun. Um, But I'm not really banking on all of a sudden this miracle starting because of Miles Michaelis. We just haven't seen anything to indicate that that's going to be the case. Right. Um, With Jack Flaherty, I'm definitely intrigued because the, the long layoff for him uh, could be something that, means he kind of starts a little slow and people freak out about Jack Flaherty again. Um, I also am very curious to see what that ceiling really looks like for Jack Flaherty. Maybe not this season, but kind of if he's able to rebound because the start of his season was not particularly impressive and he kind of settled into things a little bit right in time for him to injure himself um, (laughs) and kind of sidetrack all of that. But Who Jack Flaherty is going to be is definitely something that I'm interested in because I don't know if it's Cy Young type pitcher or if it's really good, but he's also going to need someone else in that rotation that they, that they can you know kind of tag team, right? Um, I'm curious to see what the evolution of Jack Flaherty looks like. And the, the only way we get a glimpse at that is for him to get out there and, and pitch in real major league games. So Yes, the answer to your question is I'm at least curious to see what happens in terms of those comebacks, more so with Jack Flaherty than Miles Michaelis, simply because the expectations are very different for me. What do you do 
I know we're running long, so we'll start to wrap it up here. But how do you construct the rotation if everybody comes back? And assuming Miles Michaels comes back and doesn't like leave after his first start again. Uh, uh, are you talking the rest of this year? Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Um, I think the only consistency has been out of Wainwright. Sure. <laughs> which is bizarre. Um, I think that, you know, it seems like forever ago we were still talking about Carlos Martinez. So <laughs> the gaps there are, are very interesting. And then the addition of like a John Lester and a, um, you know, Jay Happ. And I think Wade LeBlanc is an easy move to the bullpen. Um, I think that Hap is probably a relatively easy move to the bullpen, but you also have Kim that has not gone deep into games, although he's been for the most part reasonably effective when he has uh, been able to you know, not be hurt, injured. Mm-hmm. Um, so Adam Wainwright, Jack Flaherty, assuming he bounces back uh, again, Miles Michaelis, if he's like the Miles Michaelis from a year ago or, you know, two years ago, that would be shocking to me, honestly. Um, but you slide him in there to to eat. And I, I wouldn't be totally opposed to the idea of almost piggyback style starts for the Miles Michaelis. And uh, I don't know how the, the schedules line up and, and that sort of thing. But pick one of the Lester Hap, uh, Kim LeBlanc quartet and um, not feel like you have to push either one of those arms. Now that changes the dynamic of the bullpen because you can't keep them all on the active roster, obviously. So who's there and who's not. I think there are probably guys in the bullpen that can get pushed out without feeling like you're losing a whole lot. So I haven't really thought too much about it to be completely honest, because I do. (laughs) I'm keeping my expectations very low. <laughs> um, but I think some... Now, they do have a bunch of off days coming up, so that maybe they don't need to feel like they have to space guys out a whole lot or anything like that. But I don't expect Miles Michaelis or even Jack Flaherty to go real deep into games right now. Um, and maybe you take advantage of the fact that those two plus Lester plus Hap plus LeBlanc are not really, and I guess you could even add Kim to that, are only going like four innings uh, successfully Mm -hmm. right now. (laughs) So maybe you utilize that a little bit and see if you can be creative. I don't expect that because, again, this team doesn't do creativity, but I would at least be interested to see how that could work. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how they set that up. I'm also going to be interested to see how they get these guys back on the roster. I mean, Flaherty and Miles Michaelis are on the 60 day IL, which means that when they come back, not only do you have to find, you know, a room on the active roster, you have to find a room on the 40 man for both those guys. Um, Daniel Ponce de Leon is nearing the end of his rehab start and he has no options. So he's going to have to come to the big leagues. And while he's already on the 40 man, you know, again, that's three spots you're going to have to find on the current roster. And, you know, there are, you know, maybe you send Lars Newtbar down and you get pitching heavy, which is seems dangerous, but okay. You know, I you know we've seen good stuff out of especially Luis Garcia over the last little bit. It seems a little bit dicey to cut him, but 
you know, he's a, a guy that they picked up off of DFA. So who knows? Justin Miller the same way. I'm just going to be very interested to see how they sort some of this out and if there are any surprises to it. Again, it's unlikely. It is the Cardinals we're talking about. But, you know, perhaps they, you know, who knows? Maybe they eat the rest of, of Andrew Miller's contract to let him go early. They're not using him very much. Um, I don't know. I'm going to be kind of interested to see how they how they solve this part of the equation although baseball does have a way of working itself out which probably means somebody's gonna get hurt this week um and i'm not gonna have to worry about it but anyway we will find out what this week will hold for us again the cardinals go on the road but they go to pittsburgh to go to kansas city and it's a, a week that they've you know honestly if they don't win five games you know not that we expect anything out of them anyway but it just feels like if you're not winning five of those games then you know what are you doing here yeah. Um, I mean, it gets it gets harder to answer any of those questions yep. if you don't. <laughs> yep. So anyway, something to look forward to because, you know, we want to leave you on that upbeat note. Um, <laughs> the Cardinals need to win five games this week. Um, but until next time where we will see if they did. That's Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.